What is going on, everybody? This is Pam with 2200 Taps. I am joined today by a really cool guy um, that I I feel like I've met you before. And I just met you again. I have that kind of face. <laughs> I just met you <laughs> yeah, again recently. I have recently. that kind of face, yeah. And, um, well, because I'm so, like, I've got little bits and pieces of me all over the place. And I'm like, did I meet you at this event or... But anyhow, we 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 met again. I would imagine at the Valor Ranch auction, um, just a few weekends ago. Yeah. Um, Valor Ranch. I'm actually on the board for Valor Ranch. I did not know that. I there am. You go. I am. Josh with, is a good dude. I'm I'm really proud of he and his wife for what oh. they're starting. It's great. He, oh. He's always been a good guy, though. He always has. He's always had a um, a heart, you know, a servant's heart for doing something, and that's that's very special he's a good dude did you get affiliated with them or connected with them through josh or had you known no i i uh i met josh man it was years ago and josh came to to me at a 22 kill event and just said hey listen at first he wanted when he was thinking about valor garage he was thinking mm -hmm. about hey i want to i want to bring veterans and train them how to work on cars and stuff and he was asking hey you know is there any way 22 kill can be involved and i was said well you know 22 kills mission is really mental wellness and we try not to get other programs you know it takes enough money to support counselors mm -hmm. it's just hard to add to that mission so i told him hey whatever it is we could help support you by you know putting it out on social media but as in funds you know it, it was just too difficult right. but he went forward and he did something with jackal you know and they were mm -hmm. doing the valor garage and he still has a lot of that stuff going and, you know, Jack was really close to me and really mm -hmm. close to my family. And so, you know, then Josh came up with this other idea. And but like I said, is that that's their heart, you know, is that servant's heart is that they were always looking to make a difference. And that's why I love them. That's why we showed we showed up is is I told my wife, I said, I'm just I'm anybody that I know that has that servant's heart like he does. I want to come embrace him and, and, and just tell him, hey, I love you and I love what you're doing. And I love that. Um, see, we're already jumping into it. I hadn't even formally introduced you. Okay. <laughs> but I am sitting with Dan Lombardo. He is chairman of the board for 22 Kill. If you don't know what 22 Kill is all about, don't worry. We're going to talk about that. Um, I think, well, you kind of gave a little background about that. But what's your background real quick? We'll just start there. Well, my background, of course. Uh, so I was raised originally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to an Italian family and we uh later on in life we ended up moving down you know got to Fort Worth or whatever and like I told you I I played music my whole life mm -hmm. and uh, and when I was in college on a music scholarship I a couple things bothered me which was you know it's sad but in the music industry there's just not um as you'd say, I know there's a union, but in, in most areas, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's you're only going to get paid if you're good. And you're only going to make the money <clears throat> if they make money. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a hard living. So there's a few gigs that we were told we were going to make X and we didn't make anything. There was a few gigs. We got ripped off. We were given hot checks. And I said, man, I got to do something else. Man. You know, I got to do something else because... I realized there was who who am I going to go to, and and I and I feel for the friends that are like I told you that I have friends that are in the industry big time, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, as they explain, if you if you play professionally and somebody goes no, guess what, 
I'm not giving you 600 and giving you 300. Okay, what are you going to do? Who are you going to turn him into? So you guys weren't signed, were you? No. Okay. We weren't signed. We are just covered gigs. There was a place, uh, talking about history, Mm -hmm. there was a place called Caravan of Dreams that the Bass family owned downtown. uh, And they started, it was multi-million dollar investment club. And in that club, it was downtown Fort Worth. They had all the national jazz acts come in. I mean, from Tower to Power to um, just uh, Miles Davis was there. Just a lot of national acts that I was able to go watch and go see there. Mm. They always they lost money there. But their thing was it was their culture thing back before uh, they did the big um, whatever the other one's called. Um, Anyway, that that's what they gave back. So we got to play there a lot. And mm. it was my dream to play there because I saw all kinds of national guys. But once again, we were no one. <laughs> so we got, you know, I think the hardest one was we were playing there one time. And, you know, they came backstage and said, hey, anybody want something to drink? Yeah, I'll take a beer. I'll take this. You want something to eat? Yeah, we'll get some chicken wings. So at the end of the night, we're sitting there and, and the guy points at me and says, okay, you owe 20 Looked at another guy, you owe thirty, but and we're like, just take it out of what you what you owe us. Mm-hmm. He goes, no, you don't understand. We already went through that money. This is over and above. And they they we literally they they charge the musicians the same price that they would charge somebody out there. So we're paying forty dollars for chicken wings, ten dollars for a beer. What? Yes. So we didn't make any money <laughs> oh the first time God. we played there. So the second down. time we came in. We brought this ice chest in and hell, there was salami and Swiss cheese. They go, you can't bring that in. I was like, hell, I can't. I'm not paying $10 a beer and $20 for a chicken wing. So, but it was a hard life. So I go, I got to find something else to do. So, uh, I, matter of fact, I was playing a gig when I was in college. We opened up for the Air Force Band and I was just like, man, maybe I'll join the Air Force. So the Air Force Band in the West actually said, hey, why don't you come down and try out? And I came down to try out and I actually ended up talking to somebody that was in their engineering program. And I said, you know what? I want to get away from music and get something else to fall back on. So right. I went into their engineering program, ended up being part of Desert Storm and all that stuff that went through and, you know, lost somebody. That was my first experience. You know, you know, you see people or hear people in a car accident or something, but when you're working the flight line, and a plane crashes in front of you and you try to save their lives and you realize they're burning to death and you it's like and they're your friends yeah it's like holy crap mm-hmm. so that was the first time that i was kind of and then i guess the weird thing was is that was uh there was actually uh my friend was flying and they had a guy in the plane who, who was uh from italy another captain because they had a joint uh I guess, uh, training uh, deal. So the Air Force wanted to make sure very clearly what went out to the public. Mm-hmm. So they basically kept us in a room. And here it is, your emotional basket case. You just saw this. They kept you in a room and then basically said, hey, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? And they said, okay, no, this is what y'all saw. Are you serious? Yeah. And then we had to sign this piece of paper, all of us, or you weren't leaving that room. Of, And they wanted to make sure this, this didn't turn into... At the end of the day, they didn't want to. They didn't want to admit that it was pilot error. Mm-hmm. But this guy was in training school. He was just learning to fly. It was a T thirty eight. So they, you know, they wanted to make sure that it was a. They basically blamed it on an aircraft issue, and they mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that's the only thing that got out. 
So for a while, you know, it was like, like, man, that was, that sucked. I, I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it. So I got to my first base and ended up uh, talking to the guy that was over their, uh, you know, administration side. And he was in the counseling or whatever, too, and started talking to them about it. And, it, you know, it, it was interesting to see that they wanted to help but they did that you still had to do your job if you still had to deploy if you still had to do anything it's like hey this is secondary like your mental wellness is is secondary your primary thing is your mission mm-hmm. so that that was you know i thought man that was pretty difficult but you know i found different things to empower myself uh that i felt to keep my mind off of it and just kind of put it aside and then when I got out, and then, like I said, years later, um, I was on the Ronald McDonald House board for eight years. Uh, I've always had, as Josh, we talked about Josh, a servant's heart. My grandmother is the one that instilled that in me, and and my dad as well. But after I had to go, I had to move to Austin, so I resigned from the Ronald McDonald House board. And when I came back up, I was like, you know what, this time... I want to get something involved in, in a military mission. So I won't say their name to, to uh, or I won't say it to protect the innocent, I guess. But mm-hmm. there's a certain charity out there. It's pretty large. And, I, you know, I contacted them and I said, hey, talk to me about uh, some of your things you got going on. Well, they said, hey, we got a golf outing coming up. I said, OK. I ran the Ron McDonald House golf outing. I said, send me some stuff on it. So they sent me some stuff, and I thought it was weird because it was $40 a person. I said, hell, you can't pay golf for $40 a person. How are they going to make any money? So a couple weeks later, before the event, I got a check back in the mail with my 80 bucks. I was going to buy two spots. So I called them, and I said, hey, why did y'all send the money back? Well, we, we couldn't fill spots. We couldn't sell anything, and we actually lost money. Matter of fact, we lost like eight grand. I said, how in the hell did you lose eight grand? Well, we hired a company and they were they got with the golf course. They were going to make the shirts. So basically, no one knew how to do anything over there. And I offered to him, I said, well, hey, listen, I could take this over from you guys and I could turn it into something special. But here's what I require. I require that your board be involved. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would like to do is meet with the board and... If you're on the board, it's your time, talents, and your treasures. I mean, that's the way it works. So everybody needs to to buy into this. I'll tell you guys how to make the money. I'll even raise, I'll guarantee the first 20000 And they said, well, I don't understand why you'd have to have the board involved. I said, well, it's a charity. Mm-hmm. They have to be involved. And it was interesting because now I knew why the golf thing failed. Because nobody wanted to do anything. They just wanted to have on their title... There were a bunch of retired military guys, and they wanted to have on their title that they were on that board, but really care the hell less about actually doing anything. Like, I'm happy that you could bring me a check. I'm mm-hmm. good with that. But if you're telling me I have to do something, uh-uh, it ain't happening. So I told him, I said, here's the deal. I'm going to put the deal on the table. I will work my butt off, and I'll raise you 40000 But you guys have to at least raise 10 or 20% more of that. That's that's the only deal, and I want to see you guys help, and you're going to get involved. And they said, listen, 
this place is not the right place for you. I was I was devastated. Mm-hmm. You know, it was devastated that a, somebody running a charity would not have the compassion of what the charity is about. So mm-hmm. interesting enough. And, you know, uh, I believe God has always played a big part of my life. It wasn't. But that very next week that I was invited to do at the Dallas Stars was Military Appreciation Night. And I come in there and 22 Kill had just kind of started. And I come in there and they were giving out rubber rings. And on the rubber rings, each thing it kind of told them what their mission was. At that time, 22 Kill's only mission was really uh, spreading the awareness. Mm-hmm. They provided no services. It was just, hey, did you know that we lose 22 veterans a day that die by suicide? So I said, man, where are these guys at? And they, they showed me where they're at. And... um. Marcus Luttrell was the guest guy that came on the ice that dropped the puck mm-hmm. and he was wearing a 22 kill ring. So I met the, the 22 kill guys. It was very small at that time and started talking to them. And I said, hey, I think I can help you guys grow. So they said, yeah, come by the office anytime you want. So I went by their office, started talking to them. You know, I think they had at that time, the biggest event was maybe that they that they had netted was like five grand or something. I can't remember. And I said, hey, let me put on an event for you. Let me show you how to do an event. And they were like, hey, we'll back you in the sense. We'll help you do whatever you need. And I said, what I need is just the support. I need logos. I need, you know, just kind of let's put this thing together right. I said, I guarantee you 15,000. And they were like, really? You, You swear you could get us? I said, at least 15 grand. Ends up that first event, we made like 68,000. So they were like, all of a sudden it was like, holy crap. Crap. You do know what you're doing. So can you be on our board? That's amazing. So they asked me to be on the board. And at that time, 22 Kill was 22 Kill and another group called Honor, Courage, Commitment. I don't know if you could remember. They were around uh, a couple years ago, like last year. Were they local here down? They were local. Okay. And at the beginning, uh, 22 Kill and, and HCC were one organization. Mm-hmm. HCC was Honor Courage Commitment actually provided educational programs to help you educationally only. Mm-hmm. 22 Kill was just the awareness of letting people know, hey, we have an issue out there. You know, we're losing 22 vets a day. So at that time, when I finally came on the board was 22 Kill was, you know, had I had a vision for it. Some other guys had a vision for it. They, it really needs to be separated. Mm. And that Jake Schick, who's CEO now, was just getting involved. I mean, as in he wanted to be a part of it. He agreed as well. We need to break 22 kill away from HCC. So we broke it mm-hmm. away from HCC and we took it over and it became an independently board ran organization. And then from there, uh, you know, Jake and I were discussing and we had a few other people that were discussing like we have so much leverage. We're getting out in the marketplace. People are starting to know our names. We got mm-hmm. stars starting wanting to do their 22 push-ups. But the biggest issue was I felt and Jake felt we physically are not doing anything. I mean, we're physically what we were doing is raising funds because we, we became very good at that. Then we're finding organizations that we're doing mental health mm-hmm. and we were going to give them money. And 
uh, some of our other partners. Adaptive Training Foundation is a partner, still is a partner of ours. And I said, man, we, we got to go after grant money to do something more. We really need to provide some services ourselves. Well, about that time, there was uh, an organization called Stay the Course. And Stay the Course was Temper Cheryl. She started that group. And they had some legs going on them. They were doing, you know, a good job of getting out. Uh, but she had a vision that she wanted that thing to be a lot bigger. She came from a family where she's a spouse of a veteran that was pretty much she went to school on mental health because to help her husband. Wow. And so she had, once again, another person that servant's heart. But, man, the raising funds is the hardest thing. So mm. well, she came to us and says, hey, can 22 Kill take over, stay the course? So we took over, stay the course. It became part of 22 Kill. So now we had our own mental health program. So that was the big step. And from then, it was easy to grow it because the 22-kill arm could go out there with these stars and raising money. But now we could tell people we're physically empowering veterans. Mm -hmm. And through that, the great part was Tempa has a very business mindset. She's a very good leader. So ends up that Tempa, we actually promote her. She becomes our COO. So she's running the whole organization um, chief off, chief operating officer, and then you got Jake as CEO, and I'm chairman of the board. And then from there, it really started to it started all gel because then we could start focus on the content we really wanted to focus on. Because the biggest thing people don't realize with mental health, I mean, you understand this, but I mean, Mister Civilian, that they don't understand is veterans have a different communication. Mm. It's just very very different. So we learned that through before we, you know, created or helped take in, stay the course, and we became partners and it became part of 22 Kill, was we tried to have other organizations, hey, can you volunteer or can we pay you, a, get us a good rate that you start the counseling for veterans. But, but what ended up happening was, is these counselors like, hey, listen, I, I, I don't, I cannot communicate with this person or mm. they're very combatant or they're their language is out of control and we're like well that's a veteran well no, if that's a veteran then we we cannot really? help support your services yeah they couldn't the communication was there also the veteran either it would last only one you know visit because he was like i just there's no I connection it. Mm -hmm. and it, it's sort of like you know if you were a veteran and if you go into a room with a bunch of bankers it's probably not going to be the same you're like this is not my conversation right well, even like not to interrupt you, but like here at school, like we're older and we go into a classroom with a bunch of young kids. I say kids, but they're no, like 20, you. 21. And you may have a veteran. You might. You don't speak the same language. But when you find each other, those veterans, like we, we start BSing. And I had an instructor the other day. She's like, oh, my God, I have like five veterans in my class. And they were all talking vet talk. And I just wanted to join in, but I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> but because she, she loves helping veterans. Right. Again, a servant's heart. And I was just like, yeah, you won't really get it, you know. Um, yeah, it's an instant it's, connection. I mean, I remember my wife uh, first time that she like really got it was at an event. And she watched this guy come in. And you could tell he was very reserved. But she goes, man, when he left that event... 
he was hugging you guys. He was, you know, everybody was cutting on each other. And he was just like, it's like he always knew you guys. Mm-hmm. And then, and I think it was really hard for her to understand because she was like, are you telling me? I'm, I just want to make sure that's the first time you ever met that guy. Your group. Yes, that is the first time. She goes, like, how is that possible? And, and people just don't get it is the military family, the camaraderie is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's created. And you know how I said I was on a, a Jay Young show and how I told Jay was this was I said all the social issues that are going on right now. And I mean, the social issues with race, uh, sex, all these issues that people have with each other, we don't have. Yeah. Because 50 men or 50 women got in a room and they were torn down to nothing and they were built up back together as a team. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're Asian, black, Hispanic, it didn't matter. You were family. So that same core value of understanding what that means and what the core value of what that person has gone through outshines the fact that when we see each other, it once again, it doesn't matter what nationality you are or anything. It's we understand we speak the same language. Mm -hmm. So the funny part, if you took 50 people that didn't know each other and you stuck them in the room and I'd say just for one hour and then you you tried to interview each person and say, hey, tell me somebody's name. Tell me where they came from. Tell me what they did. It would be horrible mm-hmm. because they would all be staying offish in that hour. It would probably take the first hour to get names done. But you stuck freaking 50 veterans in a room for one hour. If nobody's kicked somebody's ass yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> but all that's so-and-so. He was in the Army. That's Marine. He was in blah, blah, blah. I mean, they just, it just, the connection. Oh, you're already making holiday plans with each other. Exactly. It's instant. <laughs> and I'm, that's what I'm saying that I think uh, the civilian world really needs to understand is yeah. that connection. But at the same time, if you want to make a difference, if you want to help veterans, I tell them all, stop thinking that you have to wear a uniform to be a patriot. Right. Because you don't. You can be a patriot. You can make a difference right right now. But and and because everybody comes to me and says, "Man, I'd really like to be involved with 22 kill. I didn't serve in the military. I'm not a first responder." I was like, "So what?" Mm-hmm. I said, "You don't realize that you're making a big difference." And I said, "You know, that difference of you're just that added person that needs to be there because for the veterans or first responders to see a regular civilian who's not tied by marriage, not family, and they want to be in there and they want, hey, listen, I appreciate what you guys do. That means a lot. Yeah, it does. So it, it's it's real important that I say that you're, you're there and you, you get involved and you want to volunteer. Because, you know, I got people says, I want to come to one of your events and I want to I want to come out, but I, I, I can't talk to anybody. Why can't you talk to anybody? And they always come back to the same thing. Well, I didn't serve. Well, do you know our mission? Well, yeah. And they, they say the mission. I said, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. I said, but if you don't think it's going to be a, a respectful conversation when that veteran goes, so what do you guys do again? And you tell it. So did you serve? No, I didn't. 
But man, I just really believe in this mission because I, I appreciate you mm-hmm. for your service. And I just want to be out here to tell you that I do and, and that I want you to be a part of the organization. It, it absolutely means a lot. I have somebody near and dear to me um, that um, here at the school, I've had some breakdowns myself and I'm at school. You know, granted, I'm kind of out of sight, out of mind. However, there's one person in particular that's been there for me every single time. And she's like, how do I help you? You know, and she she we speak the same language on a different aspect based on our faith, you know, and we've established that kind of a relationship. And even more so now, she's like, I want to help veterans. How do we do this? You know, and I'm like, well, let's figure this out. So to have, like you said, somebody who didn't serve, but loves what the military is all about as far as like serving and having that safe place for us to have a breakdown without judgment Man, that's mean the world to me on so many levels. And I agree with you. If you have somebody who's never served, willing to just, what do you I, need? I, you know? I tell you what, I am really impressed with that. You know, some people kind of lose faith in society, mm-hmm. right? Everything's, everybody's like, everything's bad now. But I tell you what, I'm really impressed with, I have a ton of people in the construction industry that I've never served, but they have, they, they love 22 kill, but it's not just because of what 22 kills mission is because I firmly believe everybody has, and, and you go back to faith, but this is my belief that we're born through him in the sense that there's a spirit in every one of us. Hmm. Now, you have to make the decision if you want to use it or not. If you ignore it, it it's never going to come out, right? But there's a lot of people that want it to come out, but they just don't know what it is. They don't know how to find it. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it's like the dark room and you're like, where's the door? And you could feel around a hundred times, but if somebody just takes you by the hand, I know where it's at. Here's where it's at. You're going to go. And That's how I feel is there's some people when you finally go, here could be your purpose. This could be the thing that you reach out and you help make a difference. All of a sudden, through you, because it takes that catalyst of someone to see, you you know, weird thing that I always say about some people is it's sad that some people make like they want to drag down somebody doing something good. Mm. I'll give an example if there's a Christian man that's helped 5,000 people and he just had made a bad mistake, just say cheated on his wife or something, they're so quick to condemn that person, ruin his life. But if Ozzy Osbourne, you know, gives, gives $20 to a homeless guy, oh my God, he's the greatest person in the world. Because he's, he's, you know what I mean? You're talking about a guy that's a drug addict that's really bad, that preaches really some really negative things, but he does one good thing and they'll, they'll put him up on a pedestal. But if a good person ever does something bad, they try to it's instantly like they're waiting show it. for that. Exactly. It's so exactly. unfair, you know? So you have to have that support group of your friends and, and realize we, we're all human. You're going to do some th- some bad things. I mean, there's nothing, yeah. you know, just like depression. I hate when people say, you, you can't tell me you've never been depressed. Every human being has been depressed. Mm-hmm. But back to what I was saying is that there's somebody out there that that also where I say it's like a bunch of kids. 
if a kid does something bad and and they go, oh, that's the cool kid, you're going to follow it. You're going to say, oh, that, I'm cool, too. I'm going to go across the railroad tracks because we're not supposed to. Right. But at the same time, if that kid did something nice, he can influence other kids to do something nice. Because the spirit, either negative or positive, is going to get somebody to follow. So I just think when you do something good, it, it all of a sudden people see the difference you're making in people's lives. And all of a sudden, something inside of me goes, man, I, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And man, they get a part of it. And I said, man, once you get a piece of that, and we, in the military, we call it a force multiplier, is you turn somebody in to make more of something in other people mm-hmm. is that force multiplier. And, I, and I'm saying that's what I try to do as, as chairman of the board is, you know, I want to make my the people in the organization, my tribe, stronger. I want to hope and drive them to be better if they can be better and how can I help them and 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 support them at the same time I wanted to push them because at the beginning it was really hard for them to get out in the community of people that weren't veterans Mm -hmm. it's like we have to do this this is part of but it was so it was also a healing and a process for them but then when they started getting it back they started seeing the appreciation levels and man, they, these people do care. Yeah. That's what make the organic growth of something so powerful. Like 22 kill, there's rings all over the world, not just United States, all over the world. It's because that organic growth of the positive drive of we're doing something good. And like you said, there's some people that try to drag us down but, you know, kill them with kindness. We spun back around. What you're saying is not true. If you want to learn more about us, come see us. Mm-hmm. But here's the statistics. Here's what we're helping. You know, one of the most proudest things that I'm proud of is that uh, just if people don't know is every charity. And I wish people knew more about this. But every charity has to have a 990 that they turn into the IRS. And it's because one thing about charities is transparency. Mm-hmm. You have to be transparent. So you have to tell them where you're spending your money. Where that money's going, yeah. And you would be blown away by some of these huge charities that the percentages that go to programs are like 15 and 20%. But nobody checks because we're a weird society where we go, oh, great commercial, Right. The, you know, the dog's playing a banjo. Here's, you know, <laughs> I'll give you a hundred bucks, right? They don't, but what is that charity? Have mm-hmm. you looked at it? Do you know where they're spending money? But no, guess what? I did a good thing today. Give me a hug. I gave the dog playing banjo, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred bucks. So you feel good about something that you never had your hands or around. Or did I? <laughs> you didn't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. You never made a difference. So what I ask people is that force multiplier is when they go, here's a hundred bucks for 22 kills. Like, why don't you keep it? Keep it and come to an event. Well, why would you want that? Because when you see what we're doing, mm-hmm. your heart is going to create, you're going to turn you into force multiplier and you're going to turn that hundred into thousands. Because once you believe it, you're going to be so driven because you're going to know the cause. You're going to be able to speak about the cause and you're going to see the difference in people's eyes that you've made. And that's going to just boil over to all the people, your family, and it's just going to grow and grow and grow. But like ours, by the way, our 990 is 84%, pretty much 84.5, so about 85% goes back to programs. It's unheard of. That's amazing. But I'm chairman of the board. I don't 
charge anything for my services. I'm free for the last six years because I'm driven. You know, I love this mission. I love the people that the tribe that I'm in because everybody cares. You know, it's it's just unbelievable. We're like I keep saying we're hitting on all cylinders now. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But I just try to drive people to say, listen, and I talked about my grandmother, but this is what my grandmother said. And this, and I, I just firmly believe this is what changes somebody's life. Is I, I was like, I don't know, 11 years old or 10 years old. And she said, hey, I want to ask you a question. When you, we call it, you know, after your dash, you got your born in date and your dash is in between. Mm-hmm. So that's the only time that you get to make a difference in this world. Right. So the day that you leave this world and you're talking to Jesus and you go uh, and if you like have any other religion, you know, you do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. But you're talking to whoever. For me, it's Jesus. And you, he, what's he going to ask? Like, what did you do? What was the most important? What he what would he ask? Say, did you get this done? And I came up with all these different things. <clears throat> and she said, what I believe firmly is, did you make a difference and did you leave that world in your dash? Did you make the world a better place? Or did you just go with the flow? What legacy did you leave? Yeah. No. What that because she was trying to explain to me, it's not all the money you make. It's what you did in that dash. If you, how many lives you changed. That's the most important thing. That you left a dent on this world that people go, you know what? That person made a freaking difference. So I was really driven. My father's really driven in that way, too, of, hey, I got to make a difference. I got to do something different. So that's how I'm driven. And I tell you what, I've had some weird experiences in the sense of that I've tried to drag myself away. Like, hey, they're definitely out under control now. Maybe a break from 22 kill or something. And then something amazing happens that kind of says, nah. I'm going to drag you right back in, you know, and because it's one of those things, you know, I don't know how spiritual other people is, but you know how you challenge God? I'm sure you've done it too. It's where you go, if you want me to do this, then I'll, and you think, but if you be surprised, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not, I mean, it's not going to like, he's going to appear in front of you and you hear the Charlton Heston go, yes, you need, I mean, that's not what happens, right? That's not going to happen. But if you listen, something's going to appear and you go, Mm -hmm. that was weird. And, yeah. and it's up to you because, you know, I see people like my kids all the time as I try to tell them, go with your heart. In other words, this my kids will go because I don't know why, but I feel like giving part of my sandwich to that homeless guy. Mm-hmm. Why are you telling me? Do it. I mean, yeah. don't challenge what your heart don't feels. If all of a sudden Just you felt like I need to do that. You think when you come back, anybody's going to, like in my family, going to challenge you and go, why the hell did you give away half your sandwich? It's the homeless guy. Get it back. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not going to happen. So that that's the drive that, that keeps pushing me is that I'm really, I'm really, yes, I've been blessed in my life and, you know, great family, got a great house, got all that stuff, but none of that means anything really. I mean, I'm, I'd am i be happy if I went back to a one bedroom apartment. I'd be just as freaking happy. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell my kids stuff is fun, but it's not what drives me. Right. You know, and I, and I, I, that's what you try to tell people is that people that are hurting inside a lot, they try to fill their lives with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I need? I need another new car. You know, I need another this. 
But that piece that's missing that you think that you're trying to fill, I just think that's the spirit trying to tell you that's not what you need. Mm. Fill it with something else. Fill it with people. And, and it's amazing when you see people who've never gone to church go to church because all of a sudden it's like, this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought all this negative, but if you find a home, all of a sudden you start actually doing something. Yeah. Uh, you know, because one thing I, you listen to people is like, well, I went to, like, went to school and asked for help. Nobody helped me. I went to church, sat at church. Nobody helped me. And you say, well, time out. <laughs> you don't go to those places and somebody's waiting for you. Right. The help is you reaching out and you start making the difference. They don't have to. It's not going to appear that your life's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's not their job to do it. It's your job. And that's, you know, 22 Kills biggest thing is we're empowerment. The sad side of it i have to cut people off when they say i'm so happy because you guys saved so many no no Mm. i don't save anybody you saved yourself yeah the only person that can save people is the lord Mm. we can empower people we can give them the tools for that mental wellness to say as i call it that you know the tier system don't get to tier four right you know yeah there's an issue and you go what level it's probably about time i start talking to somebody Mm -hmm. Right. And like it says, it doesn't have to be professional help like you. You find somebody you trust. And that's really our goal in our mental wellness program is we wanted you to come to a place and you feel comfortable and trust and love and go, I can talk about my stuff. Mm -hmm. I can get this off my chest about these issues I have. And that's the biggest thing. That's why we branched out into first responder side, too, is because we realized and it was a funny story was I guess it was three and a half years ago. I always have my times off. Jake laughs about it Mm because I I never remember dates. But we were at um, the Valor uh, American Valor, which is uh, the Kyle family. And we're very close with the Kyle family and very close with Jeff Kyle and his dad and mom. So they have an event and. They always invite 22 kill and it's for the raise money. But at the end of the event, they kind of kick everybody out. And, you know, the veterans, we have, we all have a good time. And the Fort Worth police there is, was there because we have a, a bunch of Navy SEALs that are still active and there's probably some bounty on their head. So we asked that nobody takes pictures. So we had the Fort Worth police, the Brotherhood of Fallen organization is had officers there to make sure that everybody follows, mm-hmm. you know, the plan. But when I was there, one of the officers came to me and said, hey, you helped one of my other officers. What's the chances that you could get me in? I said, well, where did you serve? I didn't. I'm just a police officer. I was like, well, sorry. That's outside of our 501c3. We were, we're veterans only. That guy wow. started walking away, and all of a sudden, there's where the little taser comes in from the man upstairs. says, what the hell are you doing? Wow. So I was like, you know what? I went over and grabbed him. I'll find a way. I'll find a way to get it. Just don't worry about it. I'll find a way. So I was talking to Jake and I said, this happened. And Jake's like, you know what? You're right. We need a warrior's a warrior. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what birthed the fact that, hey, we're good at this. We're good with helping mental health and warriors. Why? It it just, we should have always thought that it should be first responders too, should be in that circle. At, At the beginning, a few of us, a few other people in the organization were like 
no, we should just stick with the veterans. We said, no, we're going to do this. And it's funny because now all those people are like, finally, the light bulb goes off. This is awesome because it's a perfect fit. You know what I mean? It is. I have a, a friend because the mission for 2200 Taps is putting music, music to people's stories because somebody chose to share their story through music and helped me take suicide off the table about five and a half years ago. And I'm like, dude, people are hurting. So a buddy of mine, paramedic, EMT, he was super close, like had a six pan, a pack of beer and his gun. He was that close. Finally, he got his help. And he's like, you know, Pam, I I was journaling during that time. Can you put music to my story? Yeah. We created a song. And with that song, we're going to present it to their nonprofit and hopefully bring awareness to mental health for first responders. So it all lines up, which is why I was really excited to have you, because we tend to overlook the police officers, not on purpose, but it's just naturally like veterans. And my stepdad's a retired police officer. My brother-in-law is veteran state trooper. Like, it's very near and dear to me. And these guys are like, well, we stuff it. I'm like, how do you deal with this stuff? We stuff it. Well, I mean, here's the you thing know? on the, like all my, I have a ton of police friends. Uh, since 22 kills so plugged in, I know all the chiefs of police in town and it's just, but man, right now it's, it's man to be an officer right now. It's got to really suck. Yeah. Because. To be scrutinized to the fact that, and I, and I just want people who are listening to really understand, we're we're creating a really dangerous environment for our police officers, and I'll tell you why. When you create and you have social media as a judge on a real environment, how I explain it to is the is football. When there was no, uh, where they could analyze calls, as you could say, mm-hmm. and they could slow it down, slow motion and do everything, it was real time. So how many games did you watch and you would say, okay, he caught that ball and they do instant replay and they slow it down. Oh no, it touched the ground by just this much. Mm-hmm. Well, that same understandings how we treat officers is you expect a human being to go to a call and here's what people don't understand different than when we were when you were in military you knew you know who the enemy is Mm -hmm. i at least understand what they look like what they wear there's some understanding right an officer i hate to say it it could be grandma it could be little johnny it could be anybody so Imagine approaching, I said, it's just like if you went down a dark alley, you wouldn't just go, hi, my name is Dan, right? You would go, oh, crap, you know, this could be dangerous. So you're reserved, you're protecting yourself. That's every call. Every call that they go out to, and and people always watch, if you watch cops or whatever, you see when they come up to the car, they touch the back taillight. Mm Mm-hmm. That's to leave their their fingerprints. their fingerprints on the car because they don't know what's about to happen. Imagine yep. that mindset. Let me make sure I touch the car just in case something freaking happens mm-hmm. to me. But so you get to that <laughs> door and then 
Everybody knew the new society is, I don't have to give you my driver's license. You have to tell me why you, I mean, there's just all these things that they're already prepared to do. So you're creating compatible situation immediately, and then you get out your cell phone. So these guys are like men and women are going, man, their phone's already out. And all of a sudden they might see something that's illegal. So you don't see any of that. So all you see, all of a sudden they go in the car and they start screaming. They're grabbing me for no reason. Well, nowhere on that video shows that they had a gun in the car and it was exposed. But then they have to do all this investigation. Do you imagine that a pressure every stop? So the cops now are being, they're literally putting their lives in more danger. Mm. And there's one on YouTube where guys like swinging a chain. I don't know if you see this. The cop pulls up. He tells him to drop the chain. He backs up like three city blocks of drop the chain, drop the chain while the guy's coming at him. I have because seen that. he goes, I don't know what should I do. If the guy hits me with the chain, he's probably going to kill me. But he's he's not touched me yet. So I'm just going to keep backing up. Keep back. It's just a sad he situation. Yeah, he ended up shooting that. him because ended up he ends up trying to grab his partner. It turned into a bad deal. But why are we letting stuff get to that level? It's ridiculous. I mean, if somebody's coming at you violently, they should be able to go, hey, you made that decision. You're out. That's all the defense I need. But these body cams, they're doing more damage than they are good. Because now everybody, they're so worried. What am I going to do? Maybe I said the wrong thing. And and you have some of these people out there. That who cares? Like, I can't imagine the one that happened in Louisiana. Remember that one? Which one? The one that that guy was on the ground. He tried to take the cop's gun and they killed him when he was on the ground. Was and, this in front of like a grocery store or like yes, a like yeah. gas station? Yeah, I remember that. Now, here's the deal that the media was like that it was unnecessary. Okay, time out. Guess what? This is a person who's been arrested like four or five times with a, a gun, had been in jail for abuse, had been in jail for uh, assault. This is a dangerous human being. And they asked him to turn around, and he refused. He started fighting him. And then when he had him on the ground, he tried to grab the officer's gun. Why would you need to have to defend such a, you know? But guess what? Once again, like, what did I tell you? Just like they always, here's the, the evil person that has a bad record. But you know what? They're innocent. And and this was just officer aggression. It's just it's sad. It's sad that we've gone that way as a society that we got to start standing up and say time out. If we don't start backing these officers, nobody's going to want to be a police mm-hmm. officer. And already it's already known across U.S. The intake of officers now have dropped dramatically. Have they really? It's the lowest ever of people who want to be a police. How, why would you? I mean, it. what's on the TV? It's not what it was when we were kids. That mm-hmm. was like, it was a cool thing. It was an honorable thing. Now we've changed it to where they're horrible. All they're going to do is kill you. That's their job is to come out and you're innocent. You know what? They're human, but it's a job we need. And the funny one is these people that are the ones that say cops are hateful, but somebody breaks in their damn house, guess what? They call 911. By God, why weren't the cops here quick enough? You don't even like cops. You know, so it's 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 sad that that's what's going on right now. You know what's funny is like, as you're saying this, I think of my family. And a dear friend of mine is the chief of police out in uh, Salina, California. And they're featured on Live PD. That's her department. 
I almost want to get her on this, on this, on this, just to get her take on it as far as like being the chief of police and what she has to deal with, with things of this nature. And so I don't, I don't know how we really just start talking about police officers, but it's, I think it's imperative that they, we bring awareness to this as well. No, it's, it, you know, and that's why, you know, it's part of 22 Kill, they're part of our tribe. That's awesome. And every time I speak, I, I want to put out there exactly what I said. Because it's something, there has to be a voice for them. Mm -hmm. And so I'd look at any opportunity to give them a voice because they're my personal friends. In other words, is, yeah. you know, if people became more connected in the community, understand these officers, they have kids, they have families, they have mm -hmm. inspirations. They, they're normal people. But just because one thing happens negative, it's not the whole group. Yep. You know, they're they're people too. They're they they're depressed. They they get happy. They but the stress, it's higher than it's ever been, and that's why when we opened up the first responders, we thought maybe it'd be a one's one or two thing. It's it's unbelievable that how many officers that we get in and firefighters and the mm -hmm. pressures up there for everybody. Right. Uh, first and and EMTs. We forget about the EMTs mm -hmm. as well. But you imagine every call an EMT goes on that's a road incident, it's it's a good possibility somebody's hurt, they're dead, they're they're almost about to die, they need to be saved. They see kids that have been dismembered. There's Body all kinds parts. of horrible things they see. But they also have to respond, think about this with the officers. They're trying to save a life while somebody's trying to kill other people. Mm -hmm. So they're caught in between they have no weapons and you got Somebody that's shot, but somebody's still shooting, and they're expected, hey, come in here with the fire department. Let's try to save these people's lives. It's a very yeah. dangerous job. Sometimes they can't even respond until the police officers get there. Yeah. It's, you know? it's a situation. And, and you know it's what? It's crazy. And some of them, because they, once again, they love the job. Hey, listen, don't kill me. I'm here to save you. And they, they'll put themselves out there mm -hmm. on, on the limb. Same thing with about firefighters. They'll do the same yeah. thing. Uh, so oh. it, it's just... Those are the jobs of, of people that we forget about. I mean, I'm really impressed with society's gotten a lot better about appreciation towards our veterans. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about that because that's gotten a lot better. But we forget about, you know, we forget about first responders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how we always put it is the one thing that we as veterans, when we were on service and we had family at home all of them say the same thing i knew my family was safe because i knew we had good officers that had our back had our <laughs> six and they were there to support my family and i knew if something was wrong at least we had them so that was something as like another family and that's why veterans usually really appreciate uh first responders because they understood that mm -hmm. that that's our backup at home for sure. That's at broad, you know, and when we're over overseas. So now one thing I do want to mention before we wrap up here in a little bit, um, your the resources you guys have, non traditional, traditional um, you know, help as far as veterans, first responders, even their families. I I mean my jaw dropped today just going through the videos and really seeing what you guys where y'all started and where y'all where y'all are right now, what what's yet to be. But one thing and we kinda of talked about it before we started recording, um I really like the guys that do special missions or they're in special missions, special forces, excuse me, where they can't talk about this stuff. And 
it's so bad uh, just on a personal note i know somebody who knows somebody who's in special forces and it's affecting him, him his family he's still in but he's so scared to get help for fear of repercussion of what could happen to him um and he he knows of the guy that went to prison and had to get pardoned by the president because of something that happened so without going into detail like how do we help these people well right now we have the highest rate of suicide in active duty members um i mean it's just off the charts i mean five months ago i think it was five months ago the air force had a stand down an actual stand down of all bases because suicide rate had climbed on an air force base is so high they're starting to identify that they have an issue but it has to come from leadership you know i'm very proud that we are now connecting 22 kill to active they're actually letting us speak on active basis uh, but it takes the leadership uh lieutenant colonel roland who was over mouse 41 now he's not of the marines it took his leadership that he brought 22 kill in, but where the real leadership started, him going on stage and said, I had issues, depression myself. This is normal. This is coming from your leader. That's what needs to happen is when they see leadership saying, this is normal. It's okay to be not okay. I mean, that's what we, we preach. It's okay not to be okay. It's a normal thing. But the leadership has to tell these men and women it's okay not to be this way. We're going to provide these avenues of help. If it doesn't start from there, it's going to be hard for the men and women, especially the special forces, the people that are going through a lot of things because they're afraid, who can I talk to? Who can I not talk to? Mm -hmm. But it it comes from the leadership and that's what we need more of. It's starting to happen, but we need more of it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're afraid the same thing the officers are. I will not be promoted to my next rank if if I say that I have a mental health issue. Uh, one of the things is uh, one of the people that are associated with 22 Kill, her husband is a Marine. He took his life because he got a promotion. and He was like, I, I just got to get to that promotion. He knew he had an issue. But he was he he wanted the promotion because it benefited his family financially. But once he got the promotion, it overtook him and he took his life. And they probably didn't get well, well the logistics behind that. If you're in, you take your life. Sometimes the family doesn't even get the money. Well, the I don't problem know is they changed. get some, you know, and, and but the issue is that should not be a gauge to a guy he a man and woman that's serving or a police officer or a firefighter or whatever you're at it should not be a gauge of being promoted that you have a mental wellness issue those okay. things should be removed from any gauge and they're not they'll always tell you it's not mm -hmm. but how do you make the men and women that serve feel comfortable and what it's going to take is some of them that have a mental wellness issue that are seeing therapy seeing help they get promoted if others see that that'll release oh wait wait a second they acknowledge they had an issue they are seeing help and they still got promoted when that starts happening mm -hmm. that's what's going to overcome the deal it, it takes reality to do it yeah. so that's that's our military that that's going to have to do that on the officer side of it, interesting enough, what they've been doing 
and I love this. You got uh, Tracy Aaron from Mansfield, Steve from Grand Prairie. Uh, you got all these good guys that are out there um, that are making a difference. That are that are hey, they understand this. This is is they support the third party like us. Go go seek help because they realize hey, we want to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And then they tell them, hey, listen, if you get promoted, Ed over in Fort Worth, if you get promoted, it doesn't matter if you're seeking help or not. It's it's how you do your job. Right. That's great leadership. That really is. It, it's great leadership that they, from the top down, are saying, first of all, it's okay to seek help. It, it will not affect your, your job. We are here to help. The, that's that's leadership. That's what I love seeing is that kind of stuff. But you're right. When I think about the, the story that you told me and the friend, it's difficult out there. But till we realize this, this is a problem in society. This is not 22 kill veterans uh, and first responders against society. This is 22 kill the one tribe, one fight that mm-hmm. we say. The one one tribe, one fight means everyone. Right. Civilians. First responders, veterans, we need to come together because this is a real issue. We the, the suicide rate in children is higher than it's ever been. Yeah, I had to do uh, for 11 year old kid. I had to speak at a funeral. He had autism. He was being bullied. He took his life. He all he wanted to do was be in the military. So 22 kill. I asked all of our supporting team. We made it's sad that you had to make an amazing funeral. But the amazing part of that child was if you told and I and I, I don't mean this, this to be negative, but if you told a bunch of civilians this child took his life, how many civilians would just show up to the funeral? You tell the veteran community, the police community, we had 130 veterans on motorcycles. We had two fire trucks. We had two chiefs of police. For this kid. For this kid. We had a full, we had six Marines carry the coffin and treat it like he was an active duty guy. It was the love, the veteran community. When you grab veteran community and you say, we love you. Come support us. It's just amazing. They come out in droves because that's where the love is. And the thing that I want to change that I've been pressing really hard in every time I speak is, man, we need to start using the word love. Mm-hmm. It's been removed from a lot of things. And 22 Kill, the one thing that we do is, and, and it kind of weirds people out. Jake Schick and I, if we're on the phone, and I'm talking to all right, man, love you, brother. It's like, wow. They try to, it's like, dude, you can't turn that into something negative. You, mm-hmm. you can't. We talk to people, my friends, I tell them, hey, I love you, brother. It's because that's the, that's the weakness of society right now is, is where society has gone with the culture of love has dissipated and gone away. You think about families right now. They don't even know what their kids are doing in their room. Oh, I think he's playing video games. The talking is gone. The sitting at the dinner room table is gone. Love is leaving this country. And it takes us to stick together. And we need to start loving each other a lot more. Mm -hmm. And real quick on the gun control issue, guns don't kill people. What's killing people is the society and culture has broken up. 
These kids don't understand. People don't understand. There's no, there's no recourse after that. They don't have religion in their lives. They don't know. They think it's a video game. No. It's, it's breaking society up and it's going to take good people who can preach the word love back into schools, back into our families. That's what we need. That's what we need back. And 22 kills just part of that is just part of that circle of love. And I'm telling you when you come and I love it because when people come to a 22 kill event, either it's a motorcycle event and where you said programs, traditional therapy, of course, is counseling. Non-traditional therapy is finding a way of empowerment Mm -hmm. of something you love. And getting you drug into it. Our wind therapy is our motorcycle stuff. We have, we have yoga. We have painting. We have all these different things that we teach, but you do it with other veterans. And you learn to love something and grab something and say, hey, I can be, I love that. I can be a part of that. That's something I can learn. The other things that we have, of course, is our watch program. Watch programs, we are the children of heroes. The families are most important. So when we counsel, we counsel the the kids, the families, the wives. That's important as the unit. But what happens when you lose somebody? Mm -hmm. Well, Watch says, hey, you're still part of a tribe. You're part of our tribe. We want the kids to be kids again. We want the spouses to be spouses again. That's what Watch does is create love for these families because people don't realize if if you loved motorcycles and your connection to motorcycles was your spouse and you loved going to motorcycle events and your spouse dies and the motorcycle group goes, she doesn't ride and they disappear. There, there's this missing piece in your life, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like veterans. Your spouse has been friends with veterans families, the culture, they have totally embraced that culture. So what happens when their spouse passes, either by combat or suicide, it's like everything disappears for them. It's camaraderie. Right. It's gone. Mm -hmm. So Watch brings that camaraderie back and says, hey, time out. You're part of our tribe. So you don't have to miss the military families, the camaraderie. It's here. Come be a part of 22 Kill. We'll support you. We'll love you. We'll help you with the counseling of your children. We'll help the counseling with you. We'll help you with programs to get you back focused and get you empowered again. That's the great thing that we do. White Star was born because, sad part, Gold Star, if somebody was out of the military and they took their lives by suicide, they cannot be a part of Gold Star. Gold Star is just if you die active by combat uh, sad. You can die active duty when you're in, you know, that you're part of the military. They'll, I think they'll still take you then. White Star was born because there was a bunch of families who wanted a, a home, wanted somewhere to go. So White Star helped guide them back and says, even though that you lost that person, once again, like watch, they're p- very similar programs and they work together. And then last, our program is Forge. And Forge is forged in service, strengthened by purpose. So you were forged as whatever you were in the military or first responder. We know that. Now we need to help you find a purpose. Mm-hmm. So we take you hunting, fishing, <laughs> camping. And then you realize you can be strengthened with another purpose. You're still that same person. 
So that's what the Forge program does. So all these things are under that 22 kill, one tribe, one fight mentality. Mm-hmm. But that's all the amazing programs we do. And we do it for one reason, is to make a difference, to strengthen our tribe, to push love out there, because that's who we are. You guys, it's so cool, because I've always, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always challenged people. Um, kind of back, I'm going to backtrack real quick. I actually found you guys because of Jackal. Okay. Um, I met him briefly. One hug is all it took from he, that, he that was, man. He was the king of hugs. I hugged him one time. Um, and we got connected through a program he had started just to work on his stuff and, and whatnot. And then <clears throat> things happened. And I'm like, you know what? This man Im- impacted me. And I, and I started following y'all. I got, I got the honor ring. I'm like, there is a mission and a purpose here. You know, people are still hurting. And, well, he's the proof. Mm-hmm. You know, as he went through our programs and you kind of make a mistake. And we learned a lot from Jackal. I learned a lot from Jackal. I loved that man. You know, very close to me, very close. But the first time when we lost a veteran that my wife, I don't think she talked for three days after we lost him. But it taught us no one is off the radar. Right. And I think with him, you know, he was hurting, but he was off the radar and we forgot to watch. And the sad part is in sometimes loss creates power because you found out where your weaknesses are like we all sat around and cried because we all were like how did we lose this amazing man the man that was titled the motivator how did we lose him and it came back to first of all is you can't watch somebody 24 7 it's impossible Mm -hmm. but there was some things that when you came down to it there was probably some things that we didn't listen And we didn't really pay attention. We didn't really focus about because we thought, hey, that person's good. So if anything, he's the motivator still teaching us because he taught me. Stop thinking everybody's good. So in that, he kind of like sometimes pisses people off. Excuse me, because they're like, dude, I'm okay. Why you keep asking me? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to look you in the eye. I was like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell them, hey, listen, I, I, I want to know. I want to hear you say it again. Because you said something that kind of struck some sort of chord with me. And it just was not you normal. Oh, you know I'm okay. No, 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 no. I want you to tell me. So I just think that's he. That's the last legacy and amazing thing I think that he gave us. Mm-hmm was there is no, you know, it's sort of like AA that people who aren't alcoholics, I mean, I'm not, but I have friends who went through the program, but the painful thing that is like friends go like, well, you like you took the pill. You're, you're not an alcoholic anymore, right? You're good. So we can drink around you and we can even offer it to you. It's like, are you kidding me? Mm. I'm an out, you know, they're, they're an alcoholic for life Yeah, and it's a constant challenge and stop thinking you're not a friend. You don't love them. If you're putting the challenge back on them again and you're selfish because you know, you have weaknesses if you're trying to offer somebody's alcohol. So that's how you find out who your true friends are, mm-hmm. but it's teaching people. No, 
yes, I would love to have a beer. I would love to drink again. It's always that challenge. It's always there. It's always on you. Same thing with drug addiction. The friends that I knew that I'm that that challenged with drug addiction, I tell them every day how proud I am is because I really know because I knew what they were before and I know it's a struggle. I know it's a fight. Every day is a fight and battle because all it takes is a depression hole and you drag yourself back in it. Mm-hmm. So you got to have these avenues of people you trust. And one thing you said about you having that friend and that person that you trust and love. But one thing I tell people when I hear them talk to somebody else, they go, hey, man, if you need anything, you call me. I pull them aside. I go, are you serious about that? What do you mean? Do you know what that means? Are you committed to say that? Because when you when somebody says that to me, that means you better if I call you at 3 a.m. I got an issue. You're jumping in your car and coming over. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you'll see their face because they I said, if, if, if that's not you, stop saying that. I agree. Stop saying that because you don't mean it. You know, if you tell somebody, if you need me, call me. That means it could be at any time and you're going to take my call and you're going to talk and we're going to walk through. That's the commitment I've made to my friends. If you need me, I'm going to come get you. If you need me, I'm going to call you and we're going to talk this out. That's friendship. But there's a thousand people out there. They'll say, Man, bro, I know it's hard. If you need something, call me, and you don't mean it. Mm Because you're not going to answer the phone. Matter of fact, you're going to separate yourself from them. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, man, they're screwed up. Screw that. I'm going to stop talking to them. Man, that's that's how you find out really quick who your friends are. And that's the one veteran that, one you know, friend of mine that we helped. He's gone through rehab twice. He's an inspiration to me. And he's like, why? I failed. I said, no. You went back to rehab. It's not because you failed. It's because you identified you had the issue and you're not giving up. Stop saying you failed. You're a success. I don't care if you have to go back 50 freaking times. You're a success story because you're not giving up. Stop. And that we were talking about that negativity. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they failed. They're back in rehab. Man, you're not a friend. Dude, I would encourage you. Yeah. I'd be there with you right. if I could. I mean, that's that's support. That's the love. That's what we need more of that country. Yeah. That's why I tell my kids, surround yourself with real friends and you'll know real quick because he goes, oh, my, my son will say, I got a hundred friends. I said, no, you don't. If you end up with five friends, you can count their name on your one hand that are very devoted and will do anything for you. That's that's a that's a blessing. But I guarantee you don't have 100 friends. I said, because it's hard to find people that are genuine good, that truthfully love you. Mm -hmm. But when you do, don't F it up. No. I tell them, make sure you keep them and support them. But the same thing, if they give you love and support, you better give it back. Yeah. And kind of like I was saying, what I love about you guys, and even this right here, us talking, it's not so much about bringing awareness to it. It's about doing something about it. And because everyone's like 22 a day, 22, I'm like, okay, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm bringing awareness. That's great. What are you doing? About anything well, you believe. Or, or yeah. That's what I tell somebody is like, listen, I don't know very much about, well, what do you love? Where's your passion? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what I try to tell somebody. I said, true dedication and love is you put your hand around it, your hands around it. You actually physically made a change. 
You love animals, freaking go make a difference. If you love some Romania, you want to make a difference over there, freaking fly over there and make a difference. <laughs> but don't don't procrastinate about it and tell me. And that's when people, you know, I hate hearing, man, I just wish I could do something about it. I just don't know anything. Oh, come on. You know, when you wanted to play video games, you figured out the back doors and you got a book that taught you how <laughs> to get all the and codes everything. and stuff like that. But your ass can't figure out how to help somebody. It's it's laziness. It is. And you don't really mean it. So that's why we say time, talents and treasures. I need if you want to help, give us one of them. But a true dedicated person will give you all of them. That, yeah. That's the sum. So if, that's how, you know. So if you're not going to give me some of your time to make a difference. And if you're not going to give me some of your talent, something you're good at, well, I can't do that because I only do that for work. And you're not going to give me any of your money, your treasures, you're procrastinating, you're full of crap. Because mm-hmm. I don't care. Let's let's get down to the mean inside stuff. You, you don't, you're not serious about any of that because you're not willing to give one of those. Yeah. Well, I have one last question for you and we can wrap up this awesome sure. conversation. I love this, by the way. Um, I ask everybody who comes on my <clears throat> on the podcast this one question. Has music helped save your life or affected you? And if so, how? On a, well, off, you know it has me because uh, <laughs> music really, I tell you what, not saved my life. I guess you would say saved my life. It shaped my life. I like that. So... Being born in the 70s, we'll leave that alone, that that's when I was born. (laughs) But I was born with dyslexia, a learning disability. And back then, they didn't know anything about it. So if it wasn't for music that helped, like, because people with dyslexia usually have some amazing trait. They can draw. They can do something special. It's just the brain is focused on other areas or more enhanced. If it wasn't for my parents and actually my dad building up that music stuff, me being able to play when I was professionally at 12 and 13, then the negative stuff of not being able to read and write, my dad was like, listen, you have to be able to play. You're going to have to learn this stuff and you're going to have to work 10 times harder than anybody else because in other words, there's no excuses. There's only the goal of getting it done. But I did all that and I worked my butt off because I wanted to play music. Mm-hmm. So music shaped me, but the great thing, and I'm sure you have this, is different on musicians, different, I think, than normal people, <laughs> is there, every song I hear from the 70s on, I can, I can photographically picture an event that happened. Oh, wow. Any song that I was like, oh, I remember that, right? And I can remember what happened. It, it's connected to something. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I heard it. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I wanted to play that song, you know, uh, when I heard the seventies and I heard the funk music and the horns, I was, I just wanted to see it. And once I saw it, it was the most amazing thing because what people don't realize is you might have 20 people on stage and everybody has their part and they turn it into something amazing but one person doesn't follow their part. It's, it, the song is not the same, like Tower of Power. There's the strongest horn section there there ever was. Seeing them live as a kid, as like 13 years old, it, it was like being at Disney World. <laughs> because I'm like, that's it. That's amazing. All those men on stage, 
all playing a part that made something beautiful. And, and so music to me has shaped my life because, uh, I can pick up things in my life, sad things. The great thing that I tell people, and we'll leave with this, mm-hmm. is you you have to have sad moments. You have to have depressive moments. It's part of being a human. It's remembering those moments and turning it into a positive. In other words, when something bad happened, I would actually thank God. Because this is what the average person needs to understand is, you know what? You're alive. Okay? So no matter what the negativity had, your wife left you, your husband left you, somebody died in your family and you're depressed, you're sad, right? But you're alive. And some people aren't. And you can't go back and you can't change something. So take a negative moment and go, you know what? Praise it. Because you know what? It can only get better from there. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is that you have to know, what is faith? The true meaning of faith is your lowest moment. That's the lowest of the low that you go, but I know God, it's going to get better from here. And only I can make it better. But what makes life fantastic is you look back on those moments. And this is what makes you a stronger human being as you look back on those moments and you go, God, I remember what I was thinking. I remember the pain. I remember this song. And I was remember when I was thinking when I was listening to that song, God, this is horrible. But look at where I'm at today, right? Mm -hmm. But what made today fantastic and amazing was it wasn't that day anymore. That's (laughs) growth. That's spiritual growth. That's empowerment. That's what we need to teach our men and women that's what we need to teach everybody that we teach them is I understand it's bad right now, but gosh, if we work together and and you have <coughs> love and Excuse support, me. it can only get better. It can only get better. So that's the amazing thing that I love about music is it makes me, I love listening to those songs. My wife will ask me, so you're saying this is the song that this horrible thing happened. Why are you listening to it? I said, cause I praise that day. I never want to forget that day. She goes, and, but what do you always do? You go, man, I never want to fr- remember. Gosh, stop saying that. Stop saying you want to forget the pain you had. You got to remember it because that's the only way you can gauge that. You know what? Things are pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. So that's what music means to me is that it brings back pain. It brings back love. It brings back family. It brings back all those things, which are memories that I want to embrace because that's my dash and it helps my dash increase. I love that. I love, man, we just ended on a solid, I love that. I couldn't have ended it in a better way. Dan, um, thank you so much for being here. It means the world to me, to our mission. And uh, I'm going to talk to you after this podcast about something, um, an idea we've got. Uh, we're here at Media Tech Institute in Dallas. Um, yeah. And, I, and you know what? I want to say that it's a fantastic place. If you, uh, if you want to learn music, if you want to learn media, if you want to learn audiovisual, if all these things, this place is Disney World. We talk about the Disney <laughs> World place. And if you love that kind of stuff, this place is amazing. You, you, If anything, once again, force multiplier, if you have an ambition that you think you want to do one of these things, just come walk this place and you'll go, I'm at home. That, so that, that, 
That's cool. That means a lot coming from you because you just walked it about an hour ago. Yeah, but <laughs> but see, the things ago. I pick in, I walked in, you introduced me to people, you see in their, their faces, they're excited to be here. They're doing something they've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the tools that they have, okay, this is not somebody's garage, okay? Mm-mm. This is an amazing place that has all the technology. All if, if you guys could see what I'm seeing, there's a board that's bigger than my freaking garage sitting in front <laughs> of me. There's all these amazing screens. So if you have that, here's one of the things is like, if you've always wanted to do it, this is your place. Just tour it. Yeah. Tour it. Talk to people. You are an inspiration oh, because you. you took the negativities and the things that you went through you had a background in music, and you finally said, hey, I got to find a home. But I'm going to tell you right now, to put you on the spot, that <laughs> you can you can see that you've taken your low, you've turned it into a positive, mm-hmm. and this place helped inspire you. And here's the other thing. They must have great instructors and great everything that's here, because I can tell from you, you're driven by every room that's in here. Because you've learned something from each room that helped build you, that increased, and you've taken now this empowerment, and now you want to make a difference with that in your dash. So here it is. Somebody wanted to help you. You've taken the help. You've accepted the help. You've blessed it back because you're trying to help other people to understand, hey, you can come here. You can learn. And at the same time, your growth has not stopped. You want to in- increase it. And now you're doing something positive with this mission that you've got. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's the only reason I came on. Just Thank let you. you guys know is because you, once I again, it. I could see the empowerment in your eyes and the difference you want to make. So I just said, you know what? I'd be happy to give my time that means a lot. to help you. That means the absolute world. Um, it just, I, I would not be here. I physically wouldn't be here had it not been for music and and choosing to be vulnerable enough to say, man, I need help. Right. That it was a choice. But the great part is, you know, you asked for help. And once again, that was your low. Look at your high. Look what you've learned. Look how far you've gotten. And you now you could tell you embraced it. You're in it. You're deep in it. You love it. I do. And, and it, I still have my moments. You know, it's always going to be there. But once again, that's empowerment. Is, hey, when I'm at a moment, what do I have to do to get out of it? Like, mm-hmm. as I say, there's there's the self-control of, stop thinking about that. You're an idiot. You got this. Everything's great. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then there's that moment, oh, hell, I need to talk to somebody. Because yeah. it, it's it's on my back. And if, it, if, it, if, if depression affects your daily control, mm-hmm. you don't want to get up. You don't want to face what's going on. You need to talk to somebody. Right. That's the only way. And, and, and hey, listen. Pills, all that crap is not going to help you. We don't know. We know so much about the heart. We know so much about the body. We know nothing about the brain. But one thing we do know is the only way to get information out, negativity, depression, is talking to somebody one-on-one. That's the, that's the most proven fact of mental health and, and redu- reduction of depression is talking to somebody you trust and love. Thank you, Dan. Real quick, where can people find y'all? So you can find us, of course, just look up www.22kill.com. By the way, we didn't want 22kill.org. Everybody asked that. Yes, I know that's charities, but .com just matched. It was it got us out quicker, but we are a charity. You can look us up. You can look it up our 990. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, all those different things, Instagram. 
Uh, but if you want to get involved, you can either sign up through the website or you can find us on Facebook and we post all of our events there and you just show up. That's what it, that's the first step of anything is just show up and say, Hey, I want to help. I want to make a difference. I want to know about your organization. I love it. I love it. And you guys can find me at 2200taps.com. All my social media is linked to that. And uh, a shout out to Media Tech Institute because they give us the resources to do this cool stuff. It's beautiful. Uh, MediaTech.edu and then Valor Ranch. Uh, you know, get to know those guys too, or get to know us, I should say. Yeah. Uh, ValorRanchTX.org. So thanks for sticking with us, and we will see you later. Peace.